It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 278. Uh, Quantum, a podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective, but open to all. And uh, thanks for all the feedback from last week. Uh, There was a lot of it. Uh, We took a break from what we normally do and just looked at one thing, although in reality it meant we looked at everything that we normally deal with because we were looking at the... um, Alliance for Responsible Citizenship Conference in London, and uh, I suggest you go back and listen to it again, because basically everything we're going to look at today fits in with that. Um, I'm calling this one Popular Problems, mainly because my album of the week is Leonard Cohen's album with that same name, but we are dealing with issues and with problems, and uh, here's one to start with. This is not from Leonard Cohen, this is of course... Julie Covington. I had to let it happen. I had to change. Couldn't stay all my life down at heel. Looking out of the window, staying out of the sun. So I chose free. Let's just say something about the Argentinian election, which we've mentioned before, where it looked as though the left-wing guy, Sergio Massa, who'd been ahead after the first round, might win. But astonishingly, Javier Millet, aged 53, is the new president. He won 56% of the vote, which was really quite amazing. Um, it has been described as a political earthquake. It has been welcomed by Donald Trump. Um... The usual stuff happens. The BBC and others immediately label him far right. Now, he's not far right. He's a libertarian, which doesn't make him far right. Uh, The fact that Donald Trump uh, said he will make Argentina great again doesn't make him far right either. Um, The man who's known as El Loco, the madman by his critics, has promised drastic changes because Argentina's in a mess. So the peso's going to go for the US dollar, he says. He says he's going to blow up the central bank in order to prevent it printing more money, which he argues, correctly, is driving inflation. He's proposing cutting welfare payments, slashing bureaucracy. In other words, going for smaller government. He announced that public works would be cut down to zero. He wants to loosen gun laws, abolish abortion, and allow the sale and purchase of human organs. 
which again is why Christians need to be really careful in all of this. Just because the anti-left wing guy is elected doesn't mean, if you like, our guy, that the opposite is our guy. I am very, very wary of uh, this gentleman. I mean, it's another, if you like, slap in the face for those who see left-wing progressivism as the inevitable fate of humanity. But I'm not sure. I, I really am not sure where this is going to go. And allowing the sale and purchase of human organs is absolutely no. I think we look and we pray for Argentina, once a very wealthy country and now just run down by years of economic mismanagement. And then in the Netherlands, this gentleman has done surprising well in, well in the election. I, I'm recording this just as the results are coming in, but uh, let's just have a little bit of Dutch. Als ik mijn partij groot word en ik zou de eer hebben om premier van Nederland te worden, dan ben ik dat voor alle Nederlanders. Laat dat zonneklaar zijn voor iedereen. Wat je gelooft, wat je achtergrond, wat dat ook is. Maar dat wil niet zeggen dat je ook niet moet kunnen wijzen op gevaren van sommige ideologieën. Ik ben zelf al 20 jaar mijn eigen vrijheid kwijt en ik ben niet de enige. That's Gert Wilders, who looks to be heading for a dramatic victory in the Dutch general election. Now, the part that you head there, he's talking about how he has lost his freedom because he has to live with priest protection because Islamic fundamentalists are, are, are want to kill him. It looks as though his party is heading for 35 seats. Um, he may not become the leader, though, because it's questionable whether other parties will join with him. But it is an astonishing result. All right, let's come on to um, Israel-Gaza. And again, as I'm recording this, in fact, when you listen to this, we hope that this is the case, that a ceasefire will be in place for five days between Israel and Hamas. Uh, this has been negotiated. Uh, 50 uh, Israeli hostages will be released and 150 Palestinians will be released by Israel. It's a mess. It's not good at all. Um, and we've commented a fair bit on it already. Just a couple of things to say as well. Um, where I want to be critical of Israel... There are many things you can be critical of Israel. But apparently there are people going through uh, Jerusalem and uh, in the Armenian quarter where there are the Armenians, the Armenian Christians have been there for 1,200 years and they're seeking to expel them. Well, the Israeli government has to stop that. Um, they're... There's enough conflict and sorrow as it is. But then another issue that I really want to look at uh, is the question of, well, the BBC. Let's put it this way. Here's the BBC News Channel. At this moment, we are hearing from Reuters that is reporting that Israel, it says its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital. And they are targeting people, including medical teams, as well as Arab speakers. Uh, they are also saying that Israel is calling on all Hamas operatives in the hospital to surrender at this point. Once again, we are hearing from Reuters. That now, they said they heard that from Reuters. 
right, that Israel were targeting Arab speakers as well as some of the medical staff there. The Reuters report actually said this. Let me quote it word for word. The Israeli military said its forces were carrying out an operation on Wednesday against Hamas within Gaza's biggest hospital, Al-Shifa. In a statement, the military said, based on intelligence information and an operational necessity, IDF forces are carrying out a precise and targeted operation against Hamas in a specified area in the Shifa hospital. The military said the IDF forces include medical teams and Arabic speakers who've undergone specified training to prepare for this complex and sensitive environment with the intent that no harm is caused to the civilians. Now, how the BBC reporter turned that into, they are targeting Arab speakers as well as the medical staff. The BBC were eventually forced to apologise for that. But it really is quite breathtaking. The BBC is a global news source, a highly trusted one, and and for many reasons, rightly so. Although increasingly, incidents like this call all of that into question. Bearing in mind also, this is the same BBC that refuses to call Hamas a terrorist group. All right, uh, let's come on to my uh, album of the week, Popular Problems. Um, what I'm going to do is play all of it because it, it it really describes how I feel about Israel, Gaza, Ukraine, all these different things going on in the world. Listen to the words very carefully. I, Cohen is a brilliant poet and at times almost prophetic. Uh, so let's take a break and listen to Almost Like the Blues. I saw some people starving There was murder, there was rape Their villages were burning They were trying to escape I couldn't meet their glances I was staring at my shoes It was acid, it was tragic It was almost like the blues It was almost like the blues I have to die a little Between each murderous thought And when I'm finished thinking I have to die a lot There's torture and there's killing And there's all my bad reviews The war, the children, missing lord It's almost like the blues It's almost like the blues So I let my heart get frozen To keep away the rot My father says I'm chosen My mother says I'm not I listen to their story Of the gypsies and the Jews It was good, it wasn't boring It was almost like the blues It was almost like the blues There is no God in heaven And there is no hell below So says the great professor Of all there is to know But I've had the invitation That a sinner can't refuse And it's almost like salvation It's almost like the blues 
It's almost like the notice that verse there is no god in heaven there is no hell below so says the great professor of all there is to know uh, talking about dawkins but i've had the invitation that a sinner can't refuse it's almost like salvation it's almost like the blues the invitation to christ is of course exactly what this world needs all right let's come on to scotland now an astonishing clip from bbc's sunday program um it's the in a a kind of vox pop asking people about the Scottish government's intention to impose its particular brand of sex education on all schools, including Catholic schools. Uh, this comment was made by one person. Listen to this. Sex education is relevant. It's useful. However, it should be fact-based. It shouldn't be ideology-based. And we should be keeping it fact-based. And that's regardless of religions. That's regardless of people's personal preference. You can teach respect about other people without all sorts of other nonsense going in it. Now, what is astounding about that is it says that sex education should be fact-based, not ideology-based. Regardless of religion or people's personal preference, you can teach respect for other people without all this other nonsense. Well, can you? Because, you see, the Scottish government position is incredibly ideologically based. They have an ideology about trans that says that men can become women. They can't. But the ideology says they can. The facts say they can't. They have an ideology about sex and sexuality and relationships. And that is being imposed upon Scotland's children. And it's interesting that person says without people's personal preference, because that's what so much of this is all about. It's about the personal preference of the wealthy. And how do you teach respect for other people if you don't accept that all human beings are made in the image of God? Staying with Scotland, uh, here is the Scottish First Minister, Humza Yousaf, in a recent debate on Gaza. Presenting officer, all of us watching the scenes unfold on October the 7th did so in horror. This chamber is unified in its resolute condemnation of Hamas's abhorrent terrorist attacks. The vicious and calculated killing of innocent people and kidnapping of men, women, children, the elderly in Israel cannot be condoned. This chamber is, I hope, also unified in its resolute condemnation of the humanitarian catastrophe unfolding in Gaza. The killing of innocent men, women and children in Gaza who have nothing to do with Hamas also cannot be justified. These two positions are not at odds with one another. In fact, quite the opposite. They are a recognition that all human life is equal. The life of a Palestinian is worth no less than the life of an Israeli and vice versa. Both Israelis and Palestinians have the right to live in peace and security. 
Now, several things to be said. First of all, absolutely commend him for condemning Hamas's attack. Secondly, I think he speaks really well. Thirdly, why are is the Scottish Parliament having this debate, given that the Scottish Parliament has no locus at all in foreign affairs, given that the Scottish Parliament has had, I think, 57 debates on Israel, virtually all of them critical. Why this? Why no debates about the Uyghurs? Why no debates about Yemen? Why no? Are there, have there been debates about Ukraine? Maybe one or two, if that. Why this focus on Israel? It's all tied in with increasing anti-Semitism. It was interesting that the First Minister in his speech seemed to me to equate Gaza uh, or equate Hamas with Israel. When he says that men, women and children have nothing to do with Hamas, I'm sorry, but that's not true. It's estimated that at least 70% of the population of Gaza support Hamas. And then he makes the the statement that all human life is equal. But he doesn't believe that because he himself is putting through his parliament uh, things that will facilitate the taking of human life through abortion and euthanasia. There's an astonishing article, and again, links to all of this are on the website www.theweefly.com by the journalist Kevin McKenna, um, talking about how Scotland's Jews feel. And it's interesting, this thing about the ceasefire, He says, there's a profound sense of frustration about the validity of a ceasefire that neither takes into account the fate of the 237 hostages taken by Hamas or the prospect of these killers ever abiding abiding by the terms of a ceasefire. McKenna points out that large and very muscular pro-Palestinian protests have sprawled out across Glasgow, making many areas of the city centre no-go areas for the Jewish community. The Glasgow Friends of Israel stall is routinely... Uh, intimidated, spitting, insults, literature defaced, and so on. The uh, It's just extraordinary. The, uh, one Jewish lady in the article speaks of her pride that Scotland is the only European country never to have expelled its Jewish community. But now she says, this is the worst I have seen, and it's right across the UK too. We no longer feel comfortable wearing Jewish symbols or walking down the streets. It's not about Israel. It's about being Jewish. I wear nothing that would identify me Jewish. I've been in a cafe openly selling badges saying from the river to the sea. Yet people in these places know I'm Jewish and know that we regard this as genocidal. Because that's what it is, isn't it? Peace in Palestine, ceasefire in Palestine means the Israelis cease, Hamas doesn't, and it continues. Oh, well. What a day when in Scotland we get a Jewish woman saying, I would never wear anything that identified me as being Jewish. Also in Scotland, uh, news from Grangemouth. Just to mention this, Grangemouth is Scotland's only oil refinery. It's just been announced as I record this that it's going to cease operations as soon as 2025. And the thing that stunned me, stunned me, just the sheer hypocrisy. The Greens, the Scottish Greens, are something else. I mean, <clears throat> it's so funny. Ross Greer of the Scottish Greens talked about how, um, I think he calls it pinkwashing genocide, and talking about defending homosexuals in Gaza. In Gaza, if you're homosexual, it's a death sentence. 
In Israel, homosexuality is legal, and yet Ross Gear somehow still manages to turn this around. See, the hatred for the Jews cuts under that. Although, I don't think I would ever accuse the Scottish Greens of ever showing anything rational. Um, because I've seen two of them already complaining about this petrol refinery, oil refinery, closing down when they were part of groups demanding that it do close down. Um, hundreds, almost thousands of jobs will certainly go. It, uh, I think it's 4% of Scotland's GDP and 8% of Scotland's manufacturing. And you know what they're going to do? It's not that Scotland's not going to be using oil anymore. We're just going to import it. Unbelievable. All right, some good news. Let's go to Finland. Um, just to mention that the Finnish member of Parliament, Pavi Rasanen, has been set free. She's been tried twice for her Christian faith. She's a politician, and she tweeted criticism of her church's partition in it participation in a Helsinki Pride Parade, included a couple of verses from her Bible. This became known as the Bible Trial. Her first trial in 2022, she was found innocent, but the Helsinki prosecutor went for her again. And again, she's been acquitted, which is great news. So time for a bit more Leonard Cohen. I was born in chains. But I was taken out of Egypt. Taken out of Egypt. I was bound to a burden. Bound to a burden. But the burden it was raised. Lord, I can no longer. Lord, I can no longer keep this secret. This secret. Blessed, Blessed is the name. The name. The name, the name be praised. praised. I fled to the edge. Of the mighty sea of sorrow Pursued by the riders Of a cruel and dark regime But the waters parted And my soul crossed over Out of Egypt Out of Pharaoh's dream Word of words Blessed is the name, the name be blessed, written on my heart in burning letters, that's all I know, I cannot read the rest, I was idle with my soul when I heard Followed very closely, but my life remained the same. But then you showed me where you had been wounded in every atom. Broken is the name. I was alone on the road, and your love was so. Love that. I was born in chains, but I was taken out of Egypt. I was bound to a burden, but the burden it was raised. Lord, I can no longer keep this sacred. Secret. Blessed is the name. The name be praised. Word of words and the measurable measures. Blessed is the name. 
it's just beautiful. And then this line is stunning. But then you showed me where you had been wounded in every atom. Broken is the name. Stunning. Okay, let's, uh, uh, myself and Annabelle have been watching this. Don't really understand how I ended up here. Dashing around. And losing sight of myself in the process. You know, I think that's been the story of my whole life. I'm afraid, Your Majesty, interest in the princess's private life is unlikely to die down anytime soon. The press are on our tails constantly. All one wants is for that girl to find peace. That's the crown. Um, I kind of feel a little bit guilty about watching it because in one sense it's very well done and in another sense it's rubbish. And most of all, it continues with the deification of Diana, Saint Diana. I remember that Sunday I heard the news on Radio 4 and went up and told Annabelle, and I do remember where I was exactly when Diana died. And I remember the growing hysteria that developed. In one part of The Crown, it says Diana gave people what they needed. No, they didn't. Or you had the Daily Expresses. Was it the Daily Express? I think their dreadful headline about the Queen. Ma'am, show us you care. Show us. We need display. We need emotion. Diana was a mess. Her life was a mess. And part of what made it a mess was this deification And possibly she even came to believe her own publicity. And it was that publicity that killed her. Not as Mr. Al-Fayed continually says, the royal family. It was a mess. And, you know, watching the show, even though I know a lot of it is historically inaccurate, I just came to the conclusion, you know, the Queen was right. A family should have been allowed to mourn. Why, especially, did William and Harry have to go through that public flagellation for the sake of the people. It was awful. And the consequences of that are being played out today. All right, let's come on to the woke world. I know a fat old policeman, he's always on our street. A fat and jolly red-faced man, he really is a treat. He's too kind for a policeman, he's never known to frown. And everybody says he is the happiest man in town. That's the Laughing Policeman, an old musical song. I, I, I thought of it instantly when I saw the 12-page guidance document published by Staffordshire Police, which where they've been told not to say man up, OAP, or policeman. They're not to say high poverty rates, and they're not to call, and they must call deprived areas communities with access to fewer opportunities. Um, what's terrifying is the guidance states the examples included are by no means exhaustive or definitive, as language is always changing. You can't say man up, you can't say grow up here, you can't say elderly, you can't say middle-aged, you can't say spokesman, you can't say cleaning lady, 
you can't say statesman, you can't say policeman. That's even funnier. Uh, you have to use police officer instead. You cannot use terms like elderly, middle-aged, pension, and senior. You can't say confined to a wheelchair, suffering from, or diabetic person. And spectacularly, you cannot say Christian or Muslim. You must call them Christian people or Muslim people. Wow. I'm just on my way just now, uh, after I record this, to go and see The Rest is History in Sydney. And uh, I think Tom Holland would be interested in this. A Roman emperor has been branded transgender by a British museum. The North Hertfordshire Museum has referred to the 3rd century ruler Elagabalus as she to be sensitive to his pronoun preferences in a display. Of course, Stonewall, the museum consults with them. Um, the Roman chronicler Cassius Deo claims that Elagabalus was termed wife, mistress and lover, um, and so on. But, as... Andrew Wallace Hadrill, Cambridge Classic professor, says the Romans didn't have our idea of trans as a category, but they used accusations of sexual behaviour as a woman as one of the worst insults against men. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. I was going to say you couldn't make this stuff up, but actually you could. Um, the irony is the Emperor Elagabas had a rotten reputation. Why would you want to claim him as one of yours? At one guest, he had several of his, at one feast rather, he had several of his guests lashed to a water wheel, which turned slowly and drowned them as their horrified fellow diners looked on. He released dozens of leopards and lions amongst his guests once they'd finished eating. He let poisonous snakes loose among the crowds. But hey, we're going to be proud that he's trans. Well, um, the Church Church of England is committing suicide, I was going to say slowly, but not slowly, very quickly, as it continues to go round and round in circles, but move inexorably towards recognising same-sex marriage. Uh, they've just approved same-sex blessings. Well, what's the difference? The Archbishop of Canterbury is really awful. Here he is um, talking about something else. We all know what darkness is. And our need for light is so fundamental. Most of us experience times in our lives that feel like darkness, not being able to find a clear way forward. Often it's the small acts of community or family love and kindness that can bring light into these moments of darkness. Wherever I see this happening, I celebrate. And I'm so thankful for all of our faith communities who continue to notice the needs of others and to respond with kindness and love. I especially want to celebrate the example of care and kindness that I see in Hindu communities. Through their focus on service to others, Hindus are so often being the light that we need, whether that is noticing who's hungry or training to become a medical professional. In local mandirs across the country, Hindu volunteers are continually responding to the needs of others. Now, it sounds so nice, doesn't it? I mean, who's not going to commend people doing good works? Of course we're going to commend people doing good work. But this is Diwali. And when you've got the Archbishop of Canterbury, who's supposed to be saying that Jesus is the light of the world and that the world is in darkness, including Hinduism, and there's a great darkness in Hinduism, when you've got him saying Hindus are being the light that we need, no, this is this is a Christless Christianity. 
The festival of Diwali is celebrated with the goddess Lakshma, the goddess of wealth and prosperity. It's supposed to represent the symbolic victory of light over darkness, knowledge over ignorance and good over evil. Well, that's Christ. And the Archbishop of Canterbury should be proclaiming Christ. In sport, we had this. Bang! And Australia win the World Cup for the sixth time. Outstanding performance from a top-class squad. 120,000 people there to watch India beat Australia, and it didn't happen. Having lost their first couple of matches, they won the next nine, Australia. And uh, I love the interview with uh, Marcus Labuschagne, who played a key part in that. He says, you know, you guys know I'm a man of faith and I believe in God. The way everything that's happened, it's unbelievable to me. It's just amazing. I'm lost for words. And I love the newspaper that then went on to report about his stroke of luck and how a twist of fate... That's how they explain it. Labashain says he believes in God. Well, one other sports story. Do you recognize this team? Oh, me lads, you should have seen us gunning. Passing the folks along the road just as they were standing. All the lads and lasses there all were smiling faces. Gunning along the scots were rude to see the bleeding races. All you Geordies out there, that's the Blade and Races. Uh, well, no more lads and lasses in the Blade and Races. Uh, that's a song written in the 1800s, sung by the Newcastle fans. Um, but this is unbelievable. A devoted female Newcastle United supporter is being punished by the club simply for defending the reality of biological sex. She has to remain anonymous, fearing backlash from LGBT activists, but she's had her club membership revoked and is barred from attending matches until 2025 for posting that trans men are trans women are men on Twitter. Uh, she's been reported to the Northumbrian police. Uh, she's been told that her post could be deemed malicious communication and asked whether she had any lawful excuse for posting it. Wow. The police have suspended their inquiry police were involved. It's unbelievable. But her ban remains. Ironically, Newcastle are owned by Saudi Arabia, which is just... And you ask what happens to trans people there. Climate change. Let me just say something about that. The richest 10% of people in many countries cause up to 40 times more climate heating. This is according to The Guardian. According to Oxfam, the richest 1% of the population produce as much carbon population in one year as the 5 billion people who make up the poorest two-thirds. And here's the thing. You will find that the richer people are, the more they're going to be in to climate change measures because they're going to make money out of it. It's the poor who will suffer. They suffer because of climate change, but they're going to suffer even more as, as this transfer of wealth to the richest yet again, all in the name of virtue signaling climate change measures. And in that regard, before I go, I do have to say something about uh, The Guardian running a series of adverts claiming the newspaper was not funded by billionaires. Um, but there's a report I've read, which is just incredible, which says that The Guardian is backed by a number of billionaire philanthropic, philanthropic foundations 
including the European Climate Fund and the Rockefeller Family Fund. According to the investigative journalist Ben Pyle, an additional $12 million grant from the Gates Foundation is equivalent to $116 for every reader of the print version. Oh, but we're not funded by billionaires. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. But I have to go. Uh, Quantum is not funded by billionaires. It's funded by you, genuinely so. Uh, There are no secret millionaires behind us. So if you'd like to donate, feel free to do so. I'm going to leave you with Leonard Cohen again. Brilliant song from Popular Problems. You got me singing. Um, And in all that we've looked at, I love this. You got me singing, even though it all looks grim. You got me singing the Hallelujah hymn. You got me singing like a prisoner in a jail. You got me singing like my pardons in the mail. That's the good news that Christ brings. He frees us from all our sin and all the consequences. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who sent feedback. Continue to do so. Continue to send information, requests. And please do take a little time to review it on whatever podcast platform you use, iTunes. Feel free to do so. Um, And hopefully, see you next week. Bye. You got me singing Even though the news is bad You got me singing The only song I ever had You got me singing Ever since the river died You got me thinking Of the places we could hide You got me singing Even though the world is gone You got me thinking Carry on. You got me singing. Even though it all looks grim, you got me singing. Sing the Hallelujah song.